0: Enterprise Digital Podcast with Ian Aitchison and Barclay-Ray, navigating the ever-expanding service management maze. Well, hello once again. We are back. You thought we'd disappear, but no, we're still here, crawling under the floorboards like some Raised animals. Um, Ian and I are back for another episode of the Enterprise Digital Podcast. We've been busy and traveling and doing all sorts of stuff, which means we've struggled a little bit with time. But um, Ian, how, how are you doing? Back in the groove. Yes. Uh, very well.
1: Thank you, Barkley. Very well. And it's funny you mention animals as you did. That wasn't queued up at all, but I come with our usual trivia, which is directly related to that. Would you like me to start today's show with a little bit of trivia?
0: Well, I mean, accustomed as you are to normally doing the same, why why not? None other, none other than the very same. Yeah. Always a joyous start. And this one's also connected with you because I
1: see this piece of research, which came by my way two days ago, has come partly from the University of Glasgow. You're a Glasgow man, aren't you, Barclay?
0: I am also an alumni of Glasgow University. So There you
1: go. So a loose connection there with some recent research work that has come out. I think this is fabulous. We're all used to remote working now. We're all used to working with Microsoft Teams and Zoom. Well, researchers are from Northeastern University in the US and University of Glasgow and MIT uh, reported this month on how they have taught pet parrots to video call each other and the birds, quote, loved it. And so they set up iPads for, uh, I think it was over 100 parrots in different locations. And the parrots were trained how to use the iPads to call each other. And they had little images of different parrots. And they were able to call each other, and they would talk to each other for a fixed period of time, something like 10 minutes, and then the call would end. And apparently the birds got really keen to do this. They would phone the same ones over and over again. They would interact with each other. Some birds were even observed learning behaviour from other birds on these calls. So technology, not just bringing people together, but bringing parrots
0: together. So it's no surprise to me that that's come from Glasgow University because, I mean, that's probably not so much parrots, maybe just more pigeons, I would have thought, in Glasgow that would have had that communication. Lots of people have pigeon, they're called doos in, in in Glasgow. You have a ducot or a dovecot. Okay. So you keep your pigeons, and they talk to each other, and they talk more sense than most people do when they're drunk in Glasgow. So, wow, <laughs> um, what next? Who knows? But don't... and you know, we'll have giraffes and other animals on the call. Coming back to the human race, this week we have a special guest who's who's a sort of multi international personality in the sense of where he's from and where he lives and what he does and so on. So I'm going to uh, we're going to welcome David Belus to the the podcast. David, welcome. How are you? Fine, thank you very much, and thank you for inviting me on this podcast. That's okay. I mean, Ian and I will be leaving now. We're just going to be replaced by parrots, <laughs> <laughs> and you can talk to them um, for the thank rest you. of the podcast. But uh, anyway, um, for those that don't know you, and um, I mean, you post quite a lot of stuff uh, quite regularly on LinkedIn. Just give us a quick flavor of your. Of your background and, and the sorts of things that you do now just just a brief overview would be really helpful yeah so um i'm french i'm originally from uh, lyon and uh since
2: 1997 i live in prague in the czech republic i started my career in the it uh, department of, uh, of a big car car maker renault and uh, i uh, uh, in 2002 there were a big flood in prague and uh, because of this big flood in prague I was the IT manager of uh, of Renault at this time. We had to find uh, an emergency solution to for business continuity, and that was the, my first, you know, um, occasion. I would say that, that to to be in touch with uh, ITIL at this time, and it started, in fact, uh, my interest for this uh, framework methods or anything like that, and for uh, IT service management. So since 2002. I uh, I started to um, yes, to learn, to uh, apply, to advise. I, I am an ISO 20000 auditor, so to audit uh, organizations. So I, I I really try to uh, look at IT service management from different perspectives, from the end user perspective, mm-hmm. from the business perspective, from the IT perspective, from the service delivery manager
0: perspective. And that's what I'm doing since now, uh, 2002, 2003. Great stuff lots of relevant stuff we can talk about there. And uh, David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Right, so we're introduced and um, we've been talking about parrots and we're talking about service management and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll find the challenge, I suppose, is a, find, is a way to find those, pull those things together. In, in terms of where you sit and what what yeah. you're as I mentioned earlier you're writing quite a lot and there's quite a lot of stuff that you put out on on LinkedIn models and and tables and various documents and stuff at all it's good stuff what are the kind of core areas of guidance or principles that that you think about I mean you mentioned a number of different stakeholders there that you t- you look at from different perspectives I mean are other things that we then we identified guiding principles in item four there are various axioms and principles in in most of the best practices that are out there what what are the guiding principles from your perspective david
2: yeah i would say you know they are they are not at the same level in, in reality these all these principles i think some of them are more used and more known than the others so i will start with the ones that are less used or less known uh, obviously less known by and by who and less less used by who, uh by who one of 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 the principle if i and i don't want to to um you know to use exactly the wording of idle like uh, promote uh, collaborate and promote visibility but one key word in principle is collaboration because collaboration many people you know when when um uh, they, 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 many people just don't understand the difference between cooperate and collaborate for historical reason, because collaboration has a very bad uh, <laughs> signification or meaning in many languages because of the World War II. And I know what I'm talking about, you know, because yeah. French, when they collaborate with German people, it was not exactly the same as uh, what you mean. So in many countries, collaboration has a very negative, uh, uh, negative let's say, uh, meaning.
1: That's but, really sorry, if I jump in that's really interesting that had never occurred to me before that there is another meaning for a collaborator. Yeah. and that's if you,
2: it, yeah in, in french if you said that you are a collaborator yeah in french you can say that okay we work together so we are let's say uh, employee of the same company that's the uh, they would say the positive side of the, of the of the coin but the other side of the coin collaborator if i said that to my grandmother she will say oh Right. Okay. you're the yeah. friend of the German you know <laughs> and it's absolutely a completely
0: culturally and,
2: and, and just to and, say there's
0: nothing wrong with Germans oh yes. no no
2: no <laughs> no 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 I, 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 we know definitely. what you mean
0: but the, the thing about it, it is an interesting different take on on that single word because we've used it for so much about collaboration and working together <laughs> whereas the, the definition of a collaborator is somebody I think who is maybe in league or is in some kind of packed or something with with yeah that's that's fascinating stuff actually
2: but but back to the uh, to this principle yes collaborating uh, and and cooperating um, it's very difficult for for uh, if we look at uh, organizations and and uh, you know this uh, business IT it's very difficult for them there, there is a big struggle to uh, come from a cooperation mode to a real collaboration mode. And not just on the paper, For uh, instance, I give an example, for one customer, we were designing the, the purchase to pay full, I would say value stream, okay? So that means to ensure that if I am a supplier of this organization, then I get my invoices paid on time. Quite easy, <laughs> but quite important for the reputation of this organization. Okay. So in fact, People, if you want to achieve this, I would say, easy task, I mean, people from purchasing department, IT department, and many other departments don't just need to cooperate. They really need to collaborate. They need to have this shared vision about, okay, I do my stuff well, you know? Yes, we have in IT OCR, and they scan the, the the the, 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 the for instance, the order number on invoice. So we did our job. We, we just you know uh, make sure that we have a very limited number of uh, uh, let's say cases where we can't read that and where we can't you know use this information to the next stage uh, of this value stream so that that's that, that's what they say we do our job and then you have people from purchasing department say yeah but when you do that you know it's not enough because we don't know exactly if uh, you know this order, Uh, needs to be splitted into different invoices and so so the basic information you give us is not enough and then you have this kind of real misunderstanding at the beginning you told us that it's just enough you know to match invoice number with order number and now you say something completely different yeah but you know in our business you have different rules And then, you know, (laughs) (laughs) collaboration is about that, you know,
1: it's something and I'm referring in my mind back to something that happened in the workplace for me, not not just a few days ago, in fact, where we were talking about introducing a new way of working around a particular topic that I'm not going to go into in detail here, but a particular topic and uh, the traditional way of doing it, perhaps the cooperative way is somebody comes along and tells everybody, here's what you have to do. Here's your part of the dance. You do this, you do this, you do this. Now what you're describing with collaboration was more where we all move to pretty quickly, which is we all get together and we work out how we dance together and what we need to be successful. So rather than somebody telling us what we have to do, receiving something, doing it and sending it away, everybody that's involved is um, part of the, the overall cycle. They understand the big picture, right?
2: Yeah, uh, but but what is interesting, in in, in some uh, methods like uh, project management method in Prince2, in fact, for instance, in Prince2, they don't really promote cooperation. They promote terrorism in in that case. Why? Because if you look at the team manager in Prince2, you know, the guy who is in charge of delivering products, this guy, according to Prince2, only has one document in his hand, what they call the work package. So he doesn't have any project plan, any stage plan, any document from the project manager. So it's terrorism, you know, at the maximum. Yeah. Just do that and that's it. Report to me. So even if you have a mature method like it, and I'm not here to criticize Prince too, but you have to be aware of with this very mature method, we still have a, <laughs> a kind of okay here is just information you need to use to use. And we don't so, really give you a lot of context yeah
0: so i mean the whole thing about transparency and visibility is really important there because the the difference whatever we whatever words we use yeah. and i probably yeah we'll probably never think of collaboration in the same way again now because we've, we've um, kind of made that connection that it hadn't before <laughs> um but that thing of it's the, the difference is one is if you like top down this is what you're all going to do and the other one is we work together yeah, Both collaborating or cooperating or co-creating yeah. whatever we do it together because we understand the difference is we understand what the goal is rather than we're just doing what we're told. Yeah, and
2: if you just do what you're told, then you are a parrot. So we are back at what we said.
1: That's it. Good, very good. You made the connection.
2: Oh, yeah, a human collaborates, a parrot cooperates. That's it.
1: That's very good. Very good. Now that's one. Of the, very good. That's one of the. The principles behind, I guess, modern IT service management working. Can you tell us some more of the the most important principles you see, David?
2: Yeah, uh, uh, another principle is also about uh, you know w- w- one thing that has been uh, sometimes uh, I would say shortcut is uh, that uh, of course you 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 need I would say this principle principle like that is is uh, you you need to adopt a phased approach. Doesn't mean that you just have to, uh, to to deliver the you know your work by iteration. It means that you need to have a phased approach. A phased approach, generally speaking, this is the empirical principle. We we we, we you know many organizations are very like they, they 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 are still in their culture. I I have a, a, a customer there. It's an in, big industrial company, and and you know when when you produce goods, you you are determinists. So that means. Everything should be, you know, defined, planned, scheduled with nothing, nothing, no change. You know, change is your enemy. But in reality, when you have this phase approach, you still can, you know, uh, have this because phase approach means that you can define some different plans for your different phases. But you already know from the beginning because of the existence of these phases that you will not be able to deliver everything up front and I still leave a lot of space, you know, for unknown and for things that can uh, occur along the way. And it's mm. a very important principle, this one, you know, this phased approach. I don't intentionally use some uh, iteration or, or, or iterative and incremental, which would be just focused on, on agile, let's say. And I just want to be sure that uh, this principle is more more than just just so this and many people say okay we we, we need to uh for instance uh, what we want i i see that you have a business intelligence project in a business intelligence project you have different people from from the business and everybody you know it's like any business any project at the beginning everybody is happy about the fact that you well, we will have a huge business we will transform our organization to become a data-driven organization you know this yes. kind of buzzword nobody understands what a data-driven organization is anyway in this organization when they start this but then you say okay and because of that they want everything at once and they say oh bi doesn't matter you have poor BI. poor bi can be integrated with different sources of data so let's please the requirements of marketing, of finance, of sales, of production, and so on and so on at once. It's a kind of magic, but it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. see the reports, it's the result of a very hard work with a very, very important part based on a phased approach to for, for people to understand that they will not have everything at once and that we need to prioritize.
1: And this, I know you, you were kind of avoiding agile there a little bit as you talked about phases, because it's not just agile, but I think this, what you're describing there is is also that natural move away from the product side of things where I'm from. Waterfall is the old way of you know, yeah. descriptions and specifications, and then going dark for two years while you build something. And by the time you ship it, the world's changed and it no longer fits and matches, and you only did half of what you planned to do, and everybody's disappointed. Mm-hmm. And you, you get more into a step-by-step
2: and people say okay agile it's also you know for instance if we look at scrum scrum it's to solve complex problems with not trivial solutions if everything is clear if the problem you have to solve is already known and you know the solution maybe you know you don't have to use scrum for that but you have mm-hmm. cases where even though the, uh, the 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 requirements are clear You still need to have uh, an iterative approach. I give you one simple example. I I was working for a big uh, company uh, um, which uh, produces and distributes uh, beers and and all these uh, beverages. And and I was in charge of uh, a project on GDPR, you know, on these uh, GDPR requirements. So you know that these GDPR requirements are clear, are not there to change. So the requirements from the point of view of IT, it's something that it's a good news because they are stable. You can, you know, build something on that and that's it. But in fact, because of the huge, I would say, dimension of what you have to do in this project, where you need to make a lot of inventory of your information system, where you you see that nothing is documented and so on and so on, then you need to apply a phased approach, even though the requirements are clear, and will not change. So it's not the fact that even you have not a clear idea of what you do, then it's a good way to apply
0: a a phased approach.
2: Even though if you have clear requirements, you can still have this phased approach. So it's a real, I would say, principle that you can use in any case.
0: Interesting stuff there, because, I mean, I was at a conference in Holland last week, and I listened to a keynote by um, Jonathan Smart. I don't know if anybody... Either of you have come across Jonathan. It's um, sooner, safer, happier, and it, it for me it was one of the the best all embracing presentations that I've seen for a long time. In the sense that he he was talking sensibly about both what we would refer to as agile, as service management, as operations, and all the different isms and ologies that we've developed over the last x number of years he took it right back to the industrial revolution he started off with the uh, one of the um cotton factories in 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 lancashire where they where they established effectively the the way of working which was you know we realized that actually people were there not to be people but to carry out certain tasks and of course it was taken to the ridiculous extreme where they were there for hours and then they hired children and all sorts of awful things but you know his his point was that essentially we were still working on that principle I'm not sure I completely agree with with that to be honest but I mean the basic idea being that we have divided work and we, we we make work happen based on breaking it down and then giving it out to people where they have no sense of what the objective is or what the success of it is really it's just that they're doing their bit Mm -hmm. it's a lot more complex than that and and the thing i really liked about it was that as i said he really was very pragmatic about how he discussed operational issues service levels all all the kind of traditional stuff as well as what we might do in agile and and you know based on whole pile of research and i would definitely recommend that having a look at that looking at that book but I mean, essentially, I think, you know, there's a lot of discussion at the moment about how we're entering the, the next way, the next industrial wave because we're not just talking about how we manage work, how we also think about making work sustainable, you know, actually long-term, not just environmentally, which is important, but also that it's, it's not just something that we do to either just make money and or kill people at the same time. But we're trying to do it in a way that has got some shared value and i do i do wonder how, how far we can go with that you know with with the sort of tools that we've we've got these days but i'd be interested in your view on that david as to what you think do we need to have this convert you know a, convergence is a word that i would probably want to bring in there about the you know how we use different types of working to come together and convergence based on shared goals you know and, and just one other thing we, we did have Sally from the NHS on a little while, when she talked about how they all, they didn't have any, anything to worry about for during the pandemic about motivating people because they all had the same immediate goal, which was to save lives and help people. And so if we can just find, bottle that somehow to say, well, how do we get people working properly together if they've got the same sense of understanding of what's important? How, how do you think we practically move to towards that from... from You know, all the things that we've got in place, 20,000 ITIL, you know, DevOps, COBIT, all the things that we've got. What's what's your view? Because you you do know a lot about these different models. Do you think there's a way that we can start to pull them all together and give people that sense of shared purpose, if you like? If I if I had the silver bullet answer to this, then
2: I would think that uh, you would call me I don't know Helen or, or or Jeff Bezos, and I would not be here sitting with you because I would be you know very rich. On the other hand, I think that uh, you 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 mentioned quite a lot of. Uh, important point in just what you've just said. If I come back to you know, sharing the vision and then, uh, let's say, um, making sure that we share the vision to motivate people, because that's why we do that. You know, if people are not motivated, it's very difficult for them to do their job. And for them to be motivated, you need to explain why they wake up every morning and they go to work. So one, one answer to that is sharing the vision, being sure that people are motivated and can at least or more do more than what you expect, and you give them freedom for for that. But but what he did, and you look at different tools, for instance, the problem is every every everything, but always the same problem end up with tool with tooling. If you look at DevOps, mm-hmm. why DevOps is a success? DevOps is not a success because of the cans, you know, the culture uh, and the automation, the lean, the measurement and sharing. Because when you look at CANS, because this is the acronym for, for DevOps, you know, philosophy, then you can just add the A. What is important for people is the automation. What is important is what they call the tool chain.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I am I am a service provider. I sell you, you are a customer, I sell you a DevOps engineer. You don't want this DevOps engineer to talk about culture. You don't want this DevOps engineer to talk about lean. You want this devops engineer to be sure that he finds the best interface between all these tools of your tool chain Mm -hmm. fully reduce the counts to a a
1: yeah
2: yeah it's always like that when you look at tools you say okay now we need collaborative tools in agile you have, and I don't want to. Uh, uh, I don't want to talk about one specific tool, but you have some tools, okay, uh, helping you uh, getting some burn charts, burn up, burn down, uh, some uh, you know uh, Kanban board, and all these stuff. Yeah. But but people say, okay, this is it. We are agile because we use Kanban. We are agile because we have a burn chart. and, and so every every time you 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 know you try to. Uh, and, and, and by the way, it's then where ITL, with ITL, you have the success of the processes that was implemented. Implemented, I said, because, because many organizations throw that through. I implement an AITSM tool. My CFO, I ask him for $1 million <laughs> to implement a tool. There is a high probability that he will give me the money. I ask him $1 million. To set up processes, there is a high probability for this guy
1: to say no. Oh, interesting. So you're saying, it's a bit of a diversion, but it is interesting. You're saying it's easier to get budget for a tool than yeah. for the outcome yeah. of using the tool. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
2: and that that that's the main problem we have in terms of, I would say, maturity in many organizations. Everything is reduced to a tool. And I give you three examples, like agile tools devops tool itsm tools, it's always the same story so what we can do with that the idea is not to find another tool <laughs> because if you do that then you do the same thing you know you will use exactly the same uh, let's say solution for the same problem so we'll never, never be able to do anything with that maybe another approach would be to um let's say uh, uh, what uh, what was in, what, what is interesting in in, in IDLE and and so on is um, and generally speaking, um, is to really base ser- service management, for instance, on 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 value streams to make sure that and and to change to change the perspective of solving these issues of collaborating together and and making sure that uh, because by the way, if you use a tool, if you are a project manager, it's a nightmare. If you are a project manager nowadays, you have to use X tools and you never have the real story what my guys are doing, uh, when do I have to report to uh, the, the steering committee, how can I find the overview of my project? For that you need a, a tons of tools and you spend a lot of time just by getting piece of information here and there and so on. So I would say that one thing could be uh, one 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 way to explore is let's have a look at the organization and let's have a look at the uh, the governance and the ownership. So in value stream, for instance, you know it's the same like you had the service owner, which some organizations have, many don't understand what a service owner is. And you can have the same thing like your value stream manager. When I come back to my example of the purchase to pay, the purchase to pay is a value stream, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there is no pilot. There is no pilot. And that's why we have this problem of collaboration. There is no pilot in the plane. There is, it's not only a coordinator, but it's about somebody who really feels engaged of the vision of the result on one value stream, not somebody from the purchasing searching department who will say, oh, IT guys, uh, we always have problem matching invoices with order number. Oh, not finance uh, department because uh, we never get uh, the, the on the price list the price we need to get because uh, all the price lists are old and so on and so on. No, so some little,
0: some of the discussion uh, there tends to be around uh, about siloism. You know, mean, we we talk about how yeah. organizations work in silos, and, and and there's I think there's two views on this. Would be interested just to hear, maybe just to round up the discussion as to where, where where you think we can move forward on this, Um, you know what would be the two or three things that we would need to do to break that down because the. On one hand, people talk about we should break down silos and then other people say, no, actually, we can't break down. We always need centers of excellence, centers of knowledge. And it's more about how we work together across silos. What's your view on that? Yeah,
2: I don't think that silos are either good or bad. Definitely, I don't think silos are bad. They are there. They are part of your organization. They are part of the evolution of your organization. i give you one example. In Czech Republic, there is a, an organization called Kiwi. You may know them, Kiwi.com. It's an airplane ticket comparator. So if you want, uh, for instance, to fly and visit me in Prague, you go to Kiwi, and it will give you the best possible prices for the air tickets. Okay? This company was uh, established in 2013, 10 years ago. Two people. Now there are more than 2,000 OK, so in 10 years, this organization from two people have now 2000 employees and they are in constant reorganization, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. constant building, rebuilding, building, rebuilding silos, because they need, you know, they, they need to survive. And they the worst thing in an organization is to be sure that you can sustain the growth. And for that, you, you have some silos that's just a part of their evolution.
1: Silos are, in many ways, organization structure.
2: Yes, yes.
1: You get lots and lots of people together. You need some structure around, you know, who's your manager? What's your role? What do you do? Where's your focus? Are you in HR? Are you in finance? Are you in IT? Are you in sales? Already there are your silos. And you can't have a large organization where everybody is, yeah, I'm in HR and finance and sales. And it, it, it doesn't scale beyond about 10 or 20 people. You have to have structure. And then that introduces silos and of course then your problem is we're back to towards the beginning of the conversation when you have that you need someone in the old way to be directive to well you do this piece and you do this piece and you do this piece in the different silos and of course that's cooperative not collaborative so you don't build a effective value stream that everybody's invested in and understands why they're doing it and knows their part you just build industrial revolution robots who just do the one thing they've been asked to do over and over again without understanding why a bit like uh, a parrot might over and over again say the same statement without understanding why they
0: are really stretching when i did
1: that boom how good was that (laughs) yeah but
2: what i wanted to say about this uh, these silos and the fact that i mean you can't avoid silos you need to use them you need to use them and uh, as part of a value stream. And, and the thing is, everything in that case is a matter of priority. The ideal, ideal solution is that you really have the strategy of the organization divided into a limited number, the Pareto rules. 20 value streams in your organization, you know, uh, ensure 80% of your strategy. Mm-hmm. If you have that as a goal, then you can, you know, focus, you can say, okay, you are part of this and these value streams. And this and this value stream help us to grow. Help us to be sure that we are now two thousand, and because we will acquire our competitor, I know in two or three years, we will be able to be four thousand in two years without any problem. And that's, you know? that's and, that, and that's that's you, it. That's that's the main the main reason why we have to
0: focus on value streams. One more question then, just 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 short question on what do we need to do in. And I'm talking about the service management industry here because that's where we... Where we yes. Came. But, you know, we we introduced value streams in ITO 4 and it's quite a mix. You know, there's a lot of people who go, great, fantastic, I can really tune into that. Other people are like, what, what what on earth is that? And how, how does it work? And so on. I've always been quite keen on keeping that quite simple in terms of how we explain it. But what one or two things could we do a bit better in, in getting the message out? about the value or the or the you know the the reason why it's a good thing to do to have value streams to our industry because i mean you know devops kind of gets it because that's what it does and so on how do we help our our itsm people or whatever we want to call them to oh, really get a better yeah. understanding of the of what's involved with value streams i think that uh, one one. There are
2: different uh, 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 reasons, but I would pick up one of them. Value streams is an end-to-end set of processes to deliver value. So in value stream, you have a trigger, you have a customer, and at the end of the value stream, you have value for the customer. And what does that mean? If you say that your value stream is a kind of, let's say, set of processes that use ITSM processes and other processes, and if they are all part of the value streams, then you avoid some local optimization of your processes that don't have any real impact on improvement of your value stream. So instead of fighting or or, or consuming your energy on optimizing one specific process, and as many organizations do, okay, how can be better in incident management? How can we really, you know, get the best, uh, you know, impact from the problem we solve? Okay, so to be sure that we have a maximum number of incidents that will never occur again. Okay, this is a very short, na- narrowed view about that. But if you say, okay, we talk about the value stream to please our, uh, let's say, uh, to, to, to improve or to make sure that we have the best-in-class user support, that's a value stream. And then you think completely differently. That's, that's one thing that I think value stream can bring on the table for people to understand now that, Processes are part of value streams and, and you avoid this very difficult stuff about integrating processes, optimizing processes in a kind of silos way.
1: What so what I'm taking for that bulk is question is what do people need to do to improve or or get better? And through that you said one thing, David, that stuck with me particularly, which was differently. So if you look at your organization and you're thinking the old ways that you're describing how some organizations are, it sounds like what we're saying is, this is a mind shift. And this isn't new, you know, it's been around for a while, but clearly it takes a long time for organizations to get it. Think about your work differently, recognize the, the vision Behind what it is you're trying to achieve, think in terms of value streams. Don't think in terms of tasks and silos with hard walls, but think in terms of horizontal collaboration across effective silos. But a value stream thing different.
2: Yeah, exactly. I would say that that uh, that's that's exactly it. And 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 of course, when we talk about uh, value stream, is uh, is something n- not new at all, but new in IT service management. Really new. And and as it is new. <laughs> You know, it's a risk. Will uh, ITSM practitioner use it or not? How they will use it? Will it end up as many other things? Okay, now, for instance, I give you an example. I don't know, maybe in two or three years or one year, there will be a big player with an ITSM value stream tool. Mm -hmm. A new service now for value stream. I don't know. But mm. as I say by analogy mm. with what happened with DevOps, what happened with ITSM tools and so on, mm. then it can happen, and then people will come back to oh, the tool will help me to define and manage my value stream, and in fact, value stream equal this new miracle tool. And I and I okay. hope it will not be the case.
0: Okay, I think that's a good place to to round off. Just just that think different, think bigger than yeah. process, and hopefully we won't get. It. I mean, I think there's other topics coming out of that about things like how we make things stick and how we focus on what's important. But um, that's a really good place to end. We've really covered some really quite um, enlightening and, and and new topics there. So thank you very much for that. I really
2: thank you for inviting me once
0: again. And uh, I will think about
2: parrots now.
0: Okay, so we've talked around, we've talked about parrots, we've talked about value streams, we've talked about collaboration, collaborators, cooperation, a whole number of things. I, that take on collaboration is really quite fascinating, but um, now it's Ian's turn to ask you the really important question. Uh, yes, it so.
1: Tradition is is important, so we must keep these traditions going. We have done now for, what, two years, Barclay? Something like yeah, that. Two years. Which yeah. is always to finish our fabulous podcast by asking our amazing guests uh, what their preferred or recommended drink would be that they would place on the podcast bar for all of our thousands of listeners to enjoy. Uh, so, uh, David, what would be your recommended drink?
2: I will answer uh, – in uh, From where I live, you mm-hmm. know that Czech beer in Was- is one of the best in the world from the point of view of the Czech. So unfortunately beer. for me, I don't drink beer anymore because otherwise uh, I would uh, look a bit different physically. So I don't. But I would recommend Czech beer. And from my point of view of what I'm drinking, I'm a French guy. So I drink wine. Yes, I like Bordeaux. I like I
1: like the the, the red wines like these ones. Me too. Uh, yes, yeah. oh, the Syrah oh, also. Yeah. Bucky likes a beer.
0: I like just pretty much anything really. Um, <laughs> I do like. I I, I have sample Czech wine, uh, Czech beer. Of course, there are many places that claim to have the best beer. I probably yeah. do agree that the best wine usually is French, but I won't admit that to my other. <laughs> I said, uh, probably the best wine I've ever tasted was from South Africa, but France is generally consistently good. So thank you for that. Um, how do people get hold of you, David? Where where will they find you? The best way is to follow what I try to uh, do on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the
2: best channel for me to communicate.
0: LinkedIn, okay. We'll we'll, we'll put a link onto the uh, onto the podcast notes. Um, for now thank you very much for joining and for contributing your um your knowledge um ian we'll see you next time we'll probably step up with the podcasts because we've got some conferences and things we can we can capture a few people and um, yep. we got round to the parrots the parrots did the well done david parr- good, parrots good are part of the value stream basically so that's that's great thank you very much and we'll see you next time on the enterprise digital podcast thank you